Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. up a little bit of sirenscape here. Just sharing the link around and stuff right now. Cool.
How much of a delay are we on? Um, I mean, when we're starting, or the delay from what we say to actually yeah. stream? Delay to stream. Uh, about a minute, maybe a minute and 20 seconds. Okay, cool. Is, uh, um, what's his name joining us? No, he couldn't, he didn't get back to me in time. Bummer. Yeah, I've had a hard time uh, with other GMs. We were supposed to do the GM round table today, too, and uh, wasn't able to do it. Uh, none of the guests uh, locked in. Um, so at least we were able to do this, you know? Yeah. At least you were down. Hey, we're officially live. Everyone can see us now. What's up? How you doing? Excellent, man. How about yourself? Doing good. Hell yeah. Well, I see we already got a bunch of people in chat. I'm excited about that. What's up? Uh, Capricious Nature and Eric and... Is that Celadon, C-H? Am I saying that right? Should I don't know. Hopefully. Celadonch. <laughs> Celadonch. And uh, yeah, Casualty C-D-G. I've seen some of your live streams. I, I know you're, you say you're here for Rob's good looks, and uh, hopefully I'm satisfying. <laughs> yeah, PWB, what's up? Mr. Bind, if you're nasty. Uh, let's see, Surrealist in the chat. What's up? That's awesome. Hey, thanks for the uh, subscribe, too, the follow there. I really appreciate that. Oh, yeah, Surrealistic. Uh, thanks for the follow. Um, we finally got the alert box up so we can kind of show that off when people uh, give us some support here. I really like that. Um, yeah, before we get into it, uh, you know, this episode's all about, you know, it, well, it's a series. Every episode we talk about Night City, different aspects, things about Night City to help GMs and players expand their game and stuff. Hey, what's up? Thanks for hosting, man. I really appreciate that. Um, but... This episode is going to be a little bit outside of Night City. We're going to talk about the Badlands. So it's going to be all about, you know, the Badlands, the Wastelands, whatever you want to call it, anything outside of Night City during the time of Cyberpunk Red. And I know that there's not a whole lot of lore released about, you know, things outside of Night City, let alone even things in Night City. You know, Cyberpunk Red is new, so there's not, not a lot out about it. So we're going to kind of... Uh, do some creative thinking. We're going to lean on chat a little bit. So as we talk about different things, if you have an idea or something to contribute, drop it in chat and we'll bring it up and talk about it. Um, but yeah, it should be a lot of fun because we have a little bit of creative freedom uh, because of the fact there's not a lot released about it yet. Um, but yeah, like I said, before we get into all that, let's do a little introduction here. Lobster Falcon, why don't you just take a minute uh, to introduce yourself, tell people where they can find you and all that good stuff. Hey, everybody. Um Lobster Falcon. Uh, I'm a GM and help run Night City Stories. Uh, Night City Stories is the largest living community to play Cyberpunk Red online right now. Um, it's kind of like a West Marches style um, where you create a character, you can drop on in, and GMs are hosting all sorts of games, all set in the same living universe. Um, so it's pretty cool uh, and a great way to get your Cyberpunk Red fix if you don't have a home game or even if you do have a home game and want to uh, check out other types of uh, other types of tables and play in a bigger, more expansive universe. Um, 
so with that, uh, you can find us on uh, Reddit at r slash uh, 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 Night City Stories. Uh, and that sidebar there will have all of the links on how to get into our Discord um, and all the links on everything like that. So yeah, please check us out on um, Reddit, so slash r slash Night City Stories. Uh, and I'll see you all there. Yeah, and anybody that's part of the Cyberpunk Uncensored Discord, um, you know, we promote a lot of different play types like, you know, uh, play by post and uh, we connect red GMs with red players in 2020 and even showcase some 2077 uh, players. But we have that West March channel and in there you'll see a link uh, directly to Night City Stories. Um, so if you're already part of our community, it's that easy. Just check out that channel, click through, join theirs and you can start playing in some of their games as well. Um, all right, cool. Before we get into the Badlands, I'm going to bring up Sirenscape. Sh shout out to Sirenscape, our official sponsor here at Cyberpunk Uncensored. I'm going to uh, just play some, let's see, let's get into the Forlorn Hope sound set out on the streets. Let's get a little bit of that going. Let's see, I'm going to, I'm going to remove the music. I'm just going to kind of leave it city sounds. Um, just so we have some fun stuff in the background while we talk about all this. Even though I, I guess going into Badlands, I guess it wouldn't be that much city sounds, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I could bring up, I guess, the desert sounds and stuff. But uh, I don't know. This this is more fun to me. I kind of like it. Um, so I'm going to leave it all these city sounds. <laughs> but yeah, let's get into it. Uh, I have my list here. Just a couple things. Um, I know you've got the red book uh, there. So I do want... You know, there, uh, I do have a couple pages or little sections. I'm gonna I'm gonna have you read for everybody um, in in a little while. But let's let's talk about some of these things that we'll see here in the Badlands. Um, and and uh, before we go into these subjects, just a shout out to all my supporters on Patreon. Uh, you know, Nino Gaming, uh, check him out, fellow streamer Chris Anderson, Steve Barr from Sirenscape, uh, Matt James, he's also GM Reservoir Panda, Samurai Mac Corruption, Roten. Method, Nick Mastro Filippo, Dolan Pondsmith, uh, who we just got her channel going on the Cyberpunk Uncensored Discord to showcase her art. Uh, check that out. Chris Pilkington, William Huddleston, and Naomi Madlass, who are uh, starting to play in the Cyberpunk Uncensored Monthly Ongoing, um, which uh, I'm doing at the end of the month. It's the last Wednesday of every month. Uh, shout out to Jonathan. He's a writer. Uh, he's not ready to be showcased on, on the Discord yet, but I do want to give him a shout out as a supporter. And Patrick. Uh, PWB here in the chat who helps with our screen sheet project. Mr. Bind, if you're nasty, a uh, little inside joke. But uh, but yeah, let's get uh, let's get into everything Badlands. Um, you know, like I said, it's during the time of Red. There's not a lot of detail about the Badlands yet, so we have a little bit of creative freedom. Now, the things we do know uh, are, you know, transportation, sourcing things, all that stuff are led by the nomads. Um, so we know that the Badlands are considered fucked up. You know, they're dangerous. There's lots of damage from, you know, mass drivers and nuclear fallout and just everything from the fourth corporate war. Um, there's no, like, set, you know, uh, uh, highway patrol, like, holding it down all the time. And there's just, I don't know, there's a lot of chaos going on in the Badlands during the time of Red. So it's relying on nomads for travel. That's the first thing to kind of know. Um, the other thing is that out there, there's, you're going to run into anything from you know, militias and private groups to gangs to uh, scavenger groups. Um, like I said, it's the Badlands. Think like uh, Road Warrior, Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome, that style of stuff. When you're in the city, I feel like it's a little more modernized, even though the time of Red is rough, you know, it's rebuilding and it's been through its hell. 
Um, but Badlands Beyond that is, is much uh, crazier to me in, in my mind. But um, that's just a, a light brush. Let's get into it and talk about some of these, these things in detail. And like I said, anybody in chat, if you have ideas to contribute, uh, drop them in there and I'll bring them up. Uh, but where do you want to start? I, I think... Uh, I think the first thing for, for me, uh, you know, like I said, is nomads uh, before we get into the, kind of the grimy stuff, you know? Yeah, along with nomads, I think the most important part, like you were just getting into, is tone setting, right? And the thing to remember about the Badlands is that if you think about how absolutely, like, screwed up Night City is, remember that everybody is choosing to live in Night City instead of the Badlands, right? So <laughs> there's the, the real contrast of, like, how bad and how messed up that is. Um, so with the nomads, um, I think everybody kind of knows the highlight level of the nomads, right? Um, they're primarily going to be uh, trade groups that formed after the collapse of supply chains, um, after the series of you know corporate wars and things like that. Um, they've emerged to fill the gap in international logistics, um, and so with this, uh, they're the ones who are doing. Uh, primarily land and sea transport, but some air transport, um, moving really integral goods across all these really dangerous spaces from Night City um, and into the um, into the, the rest of the nearby area, into the Pacific Confederation, right? So probably going to be down to the LA Metroplex is a big one, probably up into San Francisco is another one. Um, and so uh, with all these various, you know, nomad tribal groups, um, they're the, the masters of this expansive wasteland. Oh yeah, no, I think well put, and I think uh, you know it's it's great to bring up the whole style side of it because it, it is very important. You know, it's why I kind of brought up. I think Eric just mentioned a couple movies and things that come to mind. Let me just hit that in the chat to make sure I don't miss it. Yeah, he said like Mad Max, like I mentioned, Nemesis, Hardware, Good Badlands, Ideas, most definitely. Um, but I think that is the most important part because up till now, I mean, a majority of everyone's focus, and while we're waiting on more lore to be released, and thanks for the subscribe, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, Robert uh, Tables, thanks, man. Um, well, I think I've seen you in the in the uh, Discord there. Joined us up recently, um, but yeah, uh, up until now, everything is Night City, you know. Which uh, yeah, shout out, I'm, I am rocking the Night City shirt every, <laughs> every episode. I got to hold it down now, but um, but yeah, I think uh, hey, Vampire Bites, what's up? Uh, but yeah, it's important to bring that up. You know, Badlands is completely different. You know, everyone that came to Night City or went to other civilized cities or sectors or whatever. Uh, it's to get the fuck out of the Badlands because it's dangerous. You know, you're either living off the wilderness. You need to have that wilderness skill and survival shit going on, or you've got you're you're living maybe in like I said, uh, scavenger or booster gang, or like you're part of a militia maybe. Or if you're lucky enough, you're a nomad. You know, because like like we said, they're kind of got that noble position during Red. They're important and they're holding down supply chains and travel. Um, but it's all about that vibe. And I think the first thing is it being dangerous. You know, I think no matter what, if you're going to be a GM uh, or a player that's wanting to venture out there, or a GM that has players that want to venture out there, unless they have the escort of like a nomad caravan that's kind of helping them get where they want to go, or their group of edge runners is large enough, maybe with a nomad in it, a solo in it, you know, uh, if they can hold down their own, that might work too. But if they don't have that, if they don't have the nomad hookup for a caravan travel, they're going to run into trouble. Uh, just, you know, you got to make it dangerous. So first and foremost, you're entering the Badlands. Think of trying to just survive, <laughs> you know, like supplies, water, food, trying to, like I said, not sleep on the ground or in your vehicle and then not get fucked up by like a roaming booster gang or some scavengers or something crazy, some desperate people out there uh, trying to fuck you up or take your shit. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's um, that's what I was going to get at is the, the two primary threats. And I think the first and most obvious threat is the environment itself. Um, and so with that, like, as you're out in the as you're out in the badlands, remember that this area has had um, been subject to a little bit of nuclear war, a lot of conventional war, asteroids being dropped on various cities, um, a lot of rewilding, um, the, the you know the coming environmental collapse. So you're going to have things like acid rain, um, destruction of large portions of the environment from biological weapons, uh, from you know conventional weapons. Uh, a loss of a lot of animal life that does stuff to maintain habitat. So, um, you know, just getting by in terms of finding food, finding clean water, finding clean air, finding shelter is going to be challenging. And I think as a GM, that's really opportunity um, to make the environment threatening. Um, oh, yeah. The environment's really threatening in Night City as well, but uh, it's it might be a little bit different kind. Oh, and they um, even have that remember in red they had i think because robert tables just reminded me when he said sleep on the ground could be super dangerous scorpions snakes and stuff and radiation no totally all that fun creative things for a gm to use but let's not forget in red they even have i forget the exact rule i don't have it in front of me but there's like a dv you have to beat with your wilderness and survival skill or whatever it is i believe if you're sleeping on the ground or out in the wild just to have a normal day the next day or whatever because if you fail that dv you get like a negative four to all your actions or two or something i forget exactly what it is yeah. but there's something there i'd have to refresh by going over those rules if anyone in the chat knows that offhand put it in there but yeah they even account for that you know you have to beat that dv if you're stuck out there without proper uh, uh sleeping accommodations what's up cyber smiley joining us in the chat cyber smiley uh and wisdom of data fortress 2020 have a bi-monthly uh, uh live stream with us uh uh, for, uh, what is it? Forlorn Dopes. Uh, Tales from the Forlorn Dopes uh, every other Wednesday. I think they're streaming uh, a week from this coming Wednesday. Uh, right here. But yeah, I just wanted to shout that out. Oh, there you go. DV15 Endurance Wilderness. Uh, is it Endurance slash Wilderness? Uh, or is it Wilderness slash Survival? I'm confused. Uh, but either way. Or maybe it's either one of those you can use or something. Uh, but he, yeah. I'll look it up. But yeah, DV15. You have to beat that to avoid a negative two from fatigue. So see, yeah, they even account for that. So even aside from scorpions, snakes, <laughs> s desperate people and scavengers, booster gangs, like like you mentioned, radiation fallout, you know, craters and things you come across from mass drivers and dropping asteroids on the earth and all this shit, uh, you have a DV to be, beat just to, you know, not have a, a tired, messed up day the next day from sleeping out there, you know? Yeah, wilderness survival. Yeah. Endurance in urban environments survival in badlands wilderness yeah exactly yeah but yeah i think uh you know like i said that's the first thing you get into the badlands it's going to be dangerous it's not like uh going out just to go camping <laughs> you know what i mean yeah uh, so that's the first thing um i like to um you know aside from the dangerous side of things you know like i said there's the nomad aspect you know maybe they're helping you through a caravan, they're the supply chain, they're the nobles, they're the ones you want to run into in the Badlands, you know? Because um, they're busy, they're doing a gig, they're not there to fuck you up, steal from you, typically. Maybe you'll come across some bad ones, I don't know. But they're the good guys. Um, the other side, that the other thing that's kind of, to me, 50-50, uh, maybe bad out of desperation, good inherently because that's, the, you know, their thing is scavenging um, generally for survival, almost like a homeless people in a way, like... Uh, lesser of nomad lifestyle maybe um but the scavengers i feel like that's kind of a chance where 
it might not be a bad experience. I don't feel like all scavengers are going to be like booster gang style people, you know, but I do feel like they're coming from that that desperate motivation. You know, they're living that life. They are scavengers just trying to survive. Um, they don't have enough uh, to, you know, live in the city or get that normal job or whatever. Maybe it's by choice. Doubt it. If it was by choice, they'd be part of that other, uh, like, I feel anti-tech group. I forget the name of it. The, the whatever dites or knights or mm-hmm. it's like that word. I always the neo-Luddites. There you go. Thanks. I always forget the yeah. Luddites or whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I always forget that. But y- you get my point. I think scavengers are more like out of desperation, you know? So like there's that chance you might run into them and maybe they'll buy some information off them, location, certain things. Maybe it'll be a well uh, encounter, you know, a decent encounter. Or it could be dangerous, you know, just because they're desperate. Maybe they're, they're at a point where it's like, fuck, we're out of water. We haven't found any in a while or this or that. or I don't, I don't know. I feel like scavengers could be good, could be bad. How, how do you feel about scavengers in the Badlands? I think the most important part with with scavengers and with like a lot of good role-playing stuff in general, especially in cyberpunk settings, is to remember that they're people, right? And people are going to go through all sorts of different really rapid-fire mental calculations based on their scenario and how they view you. So, what do you, one, what do you look like, right? If you're rolling out there armed to the teeth, you don't look like easy prey. And you maybe look like, you know, but you don't look aggressive, maybe they'll ask you for help. If you look like a one of the raiders that they just saw kill a town of innocent people, maybe they hide and never see you. Cause, um, so how you present yourself, and then what's their scenario, right? Did they just hit a good stash, and now they're scared that somebody's going to take it from them? Did Are they desperate for something new? Maybe they've encountered something really cool and interesting that they don't have the guns to go get, and they see you, and now it's like an opportunity. So... Mm-hmm. As a GM, it's your—it's really your chance to remember that they're people. They have needs, they have fears, um, and then the players are off-putting, you know, vibes that they're interpreting, right? Oh, they're so, variable, uh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in general, I, I think it's a really great opportunity to tell a story of desperate people, generally isolated, who might have interesting experience, who might be a little bit harsher, um, you know, rough around the edges. And uh, with them, you have a chance to tell really whatever story you want to that makes the most sense at the time. Yeah, I had my team run into some scavengers that were traveling, and they were more like uh, farmer-based. They weren't like, you know, the the Jode route where, like, used to be farmers pushed out by corporate, went the nomad route, that sort of route. They, they were more, they went the scavenger route, right? They got pushed out by corp, went that, but less travel nomad. They've mm-hmm. been trying to establish, but they keep getting pushed out. They kind of are living that scavenger lifestyle. But I had them, you know, kind of good people, like good farmers are trying to, grow food and trying to just establish like you know their own little community and i had that kind of a good encounter you know Mm -hmm. um and it was a little role play situation because the team had to get some shit out of a place that they were establishing a little camp and they didn't want to show that they were pulling money out and i don't know it was a whole whole thing Mm -hmm. people can check that out Uh, my beautiful wife's in the chat val mulligan what's up and it's (laughs) our actually our anniversary uh been together for like 23 years married for 11 as of today so happy anniversary to my beautiful wife valerie well, Val, um, sorry for steering his, stealing his time on your anniversary day. She's stuck. <laughs> she's stuck at work, so <laughs> I won't even get to see her till tonight at nine. So, <laughs> thanks everybody saying congrats in the chat. Rob, PWB, Eric, thanks so much. Um, but yeah, I think I totally agree, and I'm glad you brought up uh, you know the variable part of the player aspect because um, I did bring up the aspect you know that scavengers. I feel it's a great opportunity for GMs to go any number of ways because, like you said, they're people. And with them, motivated less by like a booster gang lifestyle or things like that, it is that scavenger lifestyle which lends to 
have all the diversities of uh, hey what's up thanks so much that's so uh, for wholesome the cheering and stuff and thanks for the sub earlier too or, or uh, follow I, I didn't catch who that was we we're in the middle of chatting but um, I really appreciate that thanks so much um, capricious nature saying congrats and Robert tables thanks for that um, for the anniversary <laughs> um, but yeah uh, but yeah I think it's uh, it's important like you said it's not just uh, on the scavenger side like you know it could go 50 50 however they kind of um, whatever they're motive, motivated by at that time, you know, controlled by the GM, obviously, but being influenced by the variable of the players as well. It's not just the scavengers' lifestyle, what they're going through at the moment, but like you said, is 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 the team that they're running into, the edge runners, your players, are they rolling pimp because they got an exec and a media in the team and they've got like a nice vehicle and like a minion that's, you know what I mean? Like, are they coming across like they got money? Or like you said, are they coming across like they got weapons? Are they treated like, oh shit, you know, like, the scavengers are scared of them, or maybe, like you said, they want to hire them to help with something because they see that they have some enforcement, or maybe they see them as an easy mark because they look like they have money. But all those things, I think that's great to bring up. The players are their are, are absolute influence uh, and can be accounted for by the GM to bring those scavengers to life and influence their motivations of how you're playing them. Uh, and thanks, Cyber Smiley. Shout out for the anniversary. I really appreciate that. And uh, Vampire Bites giving an anniversary shout out too. We really appreciate that. Uh, you know, my, my wife is a big part of Cyberpunk Uncensored too. She was playing the weekly live stream with Team Nameless uh, and prior to that, the 2020 Red uh, combo we were doing. But, I mean, over a year we've been streaming, uh, doing it, and my wife's been there every time. I'm also helping with promoting and in the community. Uh, we're, we're a team. You know, like I said, we've been together 23 years. Uh, we do all the filmmaking together. Uh, when I was a touring musician, we she would run the merch table and hit the road with us and um, you know, like we got a film we're doing production design for uh, coming up in a month, uh, and then we do cyberpunk together, uh, everything together. We're a team. So, uh, so, anyways, I really appreciate everybody giving us a shout out, um, Robert Tables. I love every effort to reinforce that NPCs are people too. Hell yeah! No, I'm glad Lobster brought that up. Uh, with lives, desires, and they don't just sit around for your PCs to stumble upon. They're doing stuff all the time. Exactly. I have a whole. Uh, if you check out the, the uh, Game Master Tips series I have on the Cyberpunk Uncensored YouTube, you'll see one about all about NPCs, um, and I break that down, um, and I totally agree. You know, they have to have their own motivations. You have to bring them to life. And if you do that, it's so much easier to kind of roll with whatever the players bring and influence with, uh, to, you know, to the table. Whatever they do, you can easily react by knowing kind of what you have those NPCs motivated by. You already kind of know their personalities, what they're doing, what they're in process of doing. Like you said, they're not just these stagnant things that the PCs stumble across they should be living their lives you know it should be an active world yeah one of the uh, one of the things that uh, Robert Tables mentioned that I think is important and actually fits really well in the context of like scabbers is in a more open world game where you're not like running an adventure path or something like that um, when you as a GM drop a hook for uh, a possible adventure or quest or whatever like you have an NPC tell your players man you know, I heard out in the Badlands there's this, you know, hidden tunnel where there's a stash of weapons or whatever. You make up some bit. And the players don't act on it for an extended period of time. Use it as an opportunity to reinforce that the world is real by when they go in there, just have the place cleared out. They waited too long, right? Exactly. And now there's a group of scavers wandering around who also heard that tip, acted on it three days later instead of a month later. And and now you can help show um, this dynamic... Uh, that the that the world is in play and things are time limited opportunities. Oh yeah. Um, I think a lot of time, you know, 
we play a lot of you know Skyrim and Fallout's and those type of games where the quests just remain open until you, the <laughs> magical player with agency, goes and does something with them. Um, but in a in a living world, like you want to create the illusion of on your table, um, things things happen to other people when you're not there, um, oh, yeah. and unless you take the agency to be there, um, yeah. Couple That's examples. another thing I, I love. Uh, no, I, I do that all the time. Uh, those those good scavengers that the team ran into. My Val, uh, wife Valerie, I almost said my Val. Uh, my <laughs> wife Valerie was on that team. Uh, when they got up there into the mountains and they were trying to retrieve this hidden stash of money and stuff, the scavengers were set up there. But because they hooked up the scavengers with power, the tech fixed the generator and got them their lights on. They were all celebrating because of that and distracted. They were able to kind of get the money out. And then the sca- a couple of the scavengers were happy with that and rewarded them like, hey, you know, during our travels, we came across, here's the coordinates of this helix. looked like some battle. There was some AV Humvees from Militech down and everything was destroyed. But we did see a helix attached to the top, you know, we're not in a battle. You see, we don't have a lot of weapons. We're farmers, but you guys look like it might be interest to you. You helped us get power. We'll tell you where it is. Here's the coordinates. And the team had to get back, take care of some things. I knew that. And uh, they had to get this girl a new life. That's where they're getting the money, getting her a new identity and all the shit because the fixer was after. I knew it was going to take them all. My whole plan was by the time they got there, it was either going to be gone or there was going to be people already in the mix of getting it. So there would have been another conflict to try to get it or to track it or whatever. And then another example, when they broke into a place... Um, they were hired by, and obviously I put the twist of uh, two different corporations they worked for uh, having conflicted interests at the server. But by the time that they got there, uh, there was a security guard when the elevator opened that falls out dead, showing that the world goes on, you know, things are happening around them. Then when they get down to the server, there's other people already hacking it for the other reason, because they work for the same corporation as one of the team members. They didn't know that at the time. So when they fought with them, thinking it's something else, now they're killing someone that works for their own corporation because they were doing this against another... I know it sounds complicated. You have to watch my live streams to get it. My plots, I try to put multiple layers and, you know, nice plot twists as you go and shit like that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm totally into that. Time has to go on. The world has to be functioning beyond the, the, the narrow, you know, tunnel vision of the players. The players are going to have their missions, their gigs, their focus, what they're doing. As a GM, you should take into account that the world is going on. And that, that is a great point, Robert Tables. I'm glad you brought it up. And lobster elaborated, but no, I, d- I definitely do that as well. Um, it's it's really important, and yeah, it's not like a, you know, not like don't do it like a video game. <laughs> so uh, something else that I, I think it's worth touching on a little bit that we kind of skipped over is um, what do the Badlands look like, um, right? Like when you're describing to players um, what what are how are you describing the environment, right? You know, it's it's way more fun to talk about, uh, you know, this sun-scorched desert land with ankle-high scrub and the only the occasional skittering scorpion across this dead acid-drenched area, rather than just like, oh, you're driving to this location, right? And ignoring the path in between. Um, so I think the easy thing to do, right, is look up, you know, the Badlands on Wikipedia. There's actually a pretty cool article. Um, but for those who don't want to do that, um, it, a lot of the, like, classic westerns where you've seen the red striated mountains and hills with all of like the really low tumbleweeds and scrub brush those are actually filmed in california badlands um and so it's really obvious um there it's going to be like these big uh these big like eroded sharp mountains with um all these visible striations right so you got all the bright red clays everywhere you have really short um scrub brush all over the ground um, and then there's tons of winding canyons, which is what I think makes it so cool and interesting. Or um, you can, you know, stuff can be hidden and lost in all of these hidden canyons, and they're so hard to navigate um, that it makes it uh, 
almost a maze and almost a, you know in and of itself um, so just make sure to think about like how mountainous and rugged this is how dry it is um, how hard it is to find things um, when you're talking about the location and how it changes too like you know as you head to the east as you get into like the Dixie um, you know yet there was still there's still going to be the occasional craters from the whole asteroid drop the high riders and everything that went on during the fourth corporate war nuclear fallout made areas toxic but biotechnica is running like up north like the whole oregon area i forget the exact i don't have it open but i'm gonna we'll read from a couple parts here in a moment but um so you know they have free reign to introduce new plants and wildlife and modded and kind of uh, manufactured plants and animals and shit all in that area. Plus, like I said, I, I, when you get out to the Dixie, it's a little more lush. Um, so you might see more green and woods and things and like, you know, of that nature. So it will change. But most of it, uh, you know, stemming from West Coast and bleeding into that is, is I, I, I do agree, absolutely going to be more dead, scorched earth, nuclear fallout style, maybe the occasional burned out vehicle or little combat area that maybe once happened years ago or weeks ago or days ago who knows you know um but you might even see like a little scavenger camp or nomad camp uh, during a, a convoy little things off to the side you know like that um i love putting little scavenger depot sort of things in, in groups uh outside of night city i had one that was like the size of two football fields and it was a, a used to be a, a dump site uh now where uh local scavengers that are in different uh factions come to you know, sell and trade and pool their resources and things they're gathering. Um, and they've kind of built up this like community out there. Um, so I can, you know, you can kind of have fun with that too. But getting into the dangerous side, um, not just environment and things like that, I did want to bring up a couple other things. Like let's talk about some, you know, scavengers, like I said, I, I feel those motivations morally could go in any direction. Um, but, but when it comes to like, I feel like gangs, you know, booster pose or whatever, you think of the city, but there's going to be the equivalent of that in the Badlands. It might not be exactly the same. They're not, you know, dressed in the nicer things. They don't have, they're not running to stores and robbing people on the street as often. They're, they're out in desperate whatever. Maybe they were scavengers or they even look like scavengers. You know, think, like we said earlier, the whole road warrior, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome vibe people, right? But instead of the <clears throat> homeless vibe of scavengers, the desperation of gathering and sur- just surviving... This gang side of survival, I feel, is more on the, like, morally corrupt. It's going to be driven by, like, they have no limitations. It's, it's them versus the fucking world. They're going to, you know, kill, rape, and pillage, and steal, and fuck up shit. And, like, you know, that's how I picture a lot of, I don't know, gangs out in the Badlands. You're not going to run into, like, a lot of Sixth Street gangs and, like, the good guys kind of protecting the neighborhood vibe. It, I feel like any type of gang, if it's not scavenger, if it's gang, obviously, a little difference there, but... They're always going to be dangerous, and, and you don't want to come, come in contact. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, so I think like the easy dichotomy when you're, when you're balancing out what, uh, what to think about um, is, uh, is, is about mindset. A scavenger's first primary mindset is to keep what they have. A ganger's first mindset is to take what they can. Um, and so to me, whenever d- depending on who your first... Uh, Whatever your first mindset is, is how you slot into kind of like gang versus scabber. Um, and so the gangers are going to be looking for weak prey. They're not stupid. They're not just going to blindly attack like a super armed convoy or whatever, right? Um, what they're going to look for is they're looking for a weakness that they can prey on and take. Um, because that's what bullies and thieves do. 
And so, um, again, so much of it comes out to remember that they're people, right? How are they going to orchestrate situations that are going to be advantageous for them? Um, how are they going to make sure that the targets they pick are weaker, um, either by making them weaker or selecting them to be weaker, um, surprising them vulnerable? Um, and yeah, that's my general perspective is going to be um, people who don't want to harm others are likely not going to be out here unless they're already nomads, right? Nomads, they're making their money from crossing the area. Why can nomads make money crossing the area? Because there are threats that you have to overcome. And those threats are going to be people who are going to take the weak who are, you know, not armed, not in big convoys, um, or are raiding smaller communities that are not as safe or, you know, letting their guard down. That's the thing, too, is don't forget, you know, traveling across this, nomads included, there might be like little supply depots that, that nomads set up to f fuel, give water, things. Maybe there's conflict between those supply areas or whatever. Also, Oasis stations that uh, Continental Brands puts out that was kind of the true-for-you stations of Petrochem back in 2020, right? Like, those are kind of converted when they broke off as a subsidiary. They broke away from Petrochem and did their own thing. Um, so, uh, you might run into Oasis stations. And out there, like you said, they might be invaded by booster gangs. Or maybe there's a situation like that because they're trying to steal supplies and fuck with it. Um, I, I, I agree that... You know, when it comes to that, you want to give motivations. They, you want to humanize them in a way um, so they can be just as dynamic and real as people, as real people. Your world is a living, breathing world, right? But like I said, I feel I have less uh, moral agency with when it comes to gang style in Badlands versus uh, scavers, scavengers. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't see too many good guy gangs out in the Badlands. Like, if... if, if no. If you've upgraded from scavenger to gang or you went that route and you're not going to a city trying to do better or just, I don't know, running a neighborhood or whatever you're doing, you're out in the Badlands. You're just looking for, you know, prey. You're a hunter. <laughs> and that's, uh, I mean, like this is slightly outside of the context of cyberpunk, but you can always think of uh, like logistics is a map of human intent, right? And so whenever humans have an intent to do something, there's going to be a pathway of logistics to lead to enabling that happening. Um, so if a group of people exists somewhere that is not naturally hospitable, that means that their way of surviving is either they've found something that makes it hospitable or they're taking from people who are making things hospitable. That's it, right? And so um, that's the primary difference between those scavers and those gangers. Now, could gangers who have found you know somewhere really cool that is easy to grow food transition to that? Maybe, but yeah. that might not be the mentality, right? Um, it would take a lot. And I think you tapped into it right there. Like, say they found some type of, like, utopia situation where, like, holy shit, life-changing and, like, you know what? We don't need to hurt people anymore. And the newer generations of that gang maybe coming up, you know, they transition to a different lifestyle. I could see that. Take a, It would take a lot, but I can see it. Yeah, but that's, that's what I'm saying. In general, right, you're going to not see that. Um, but also, like... Um, even these gangs right like you can't steal all the water that you need right so gangs are going to have to find a place where they can have water there maybe gangs have a place where they're trading for food all the stuff that they take pretending to be scabbers right like they can't always just steal 100 percent of what you want it's in their benefit to trade maybe there's a, a gang swap meet area right yeah, out in the yeah. or gangs who've divided up territory all come to trade stuff because well if you're down south you're stealing oil tankers but if you're up north you're stealing you know chips being shipped from somewhere else right or you know shit that fell off the, the caravan yeah. you know 
<laughs> and so, like thinking about um you know that could be a really cool setting is maybe you need to go find where somebody somebody was kidnapped for being sold into slavery and you find that they got taken to the the ganger badlands you know trading spot yeah i had uh, that with our team i i called it the meat market um, yeah. They were they were in pursuit of that, and they found these different uh, scavenger factions. Like I mentioned before, after that scavenger depot, but one of them was into bad shit. They were kind of like less, you know, supplies, and they were trading people uh, for different things. You know, they had like children sold to like factories and places like sweatshops to be easy workers and get in small area style things. Uh, some of the the women, some of the men, obviously sex trading, fighting rings, you know, illegal fighting rings and stuff. And that's how it all started with them following a whole chain ending up out in the Badlands at this meat market, I called it, you know. And um, but I think that's a great point to make. Like, uh, you know, there can be all those aspects of what what the gangs are doing to trade. And maybe there's something like that, like little places where they do that, you know, um, or a fixer hookup or one of them or something that travels into the city. Uh, to push their wares at like a night market, but they're actually, you know, part of some booster gang from the Badlands that's stealing shit or finding stuff, like I said, that fell off the caravan, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's... And, I, and I do want to mention before we get too far away from it in chat, but Kira, uh, in chat, what's up? You brought up a couple of things. We've ran into one, an old pre-war USA uh, Air Force bunker, and two, a rich person's doomsday bunker, complete with a driving range and Olympic pool. I've, I've written that into a, a bunker thing into it, uh, into a campaign I plan on that the team didn't uncover. They didn't get into it uh, during that Badlands stuff. And I had a great image for it and everything. I'm going to pull that into a future one too. I love that idea. That's really cool. And uh, Robert says that sounds like a dope encounter. It, it, it does. I like both of those. And I like pre-war stuff too because you got to think some of that shit in the Badlands is undiscovered yet. You know, it, it's, a, it's a big big world out there, you know? And a lot of people have died. It's like, a, you know, and they're they're living in the cities for the most part. The Badlands isn't so populated it's few and far in between in between and there is a good chance you'll run into some some shit that hasn't been discovered yet that's um so yeah two points one on talking about like the undiscovered stuff um this is me just uh, rampantly stealing from other sources but i think the cyberpunk badlands is the easiest place to steal from the fallout universe if you want stuff to give you ideas right like it just meshes really well in style and atmosphere um, so you know the abandoned bunker, right? Riff on the idea of the vaults. There's there are, there are things like vaults that exist today in the United States where people are paying for super bunkers to go hide in that lock down. Um, there's all sorts of different you know wild and crazy stuff out there. But it also um, the the other thing that I think we've missed is that there are small communities of people just trying to survive as well, right? They're not necessarily scavers. They're not necessarily gangers. Um, little tiny communities nestled in places near probably a water source that have built up over time trying to escape from um, the uh, trying to escape from night city or surrounding communities trying to stay safe from the gangs um, and really one of the things that's most fascinating is the badlands around the area where night city is which is you know moro bay california um, has actually had cliffside dwellings for something like five thousand years um, so it is actually can be a hospitable place inside of the valleys built into the walls so you can build that up as um you know people returning to the old ways of living outside mm -hmm. uh moro bay right like those um, you know cliffside houses built into the walls they stay cool when it's hot um there's going to be access to um aquifers at, that bubble up through the stone there so um 
think about those type of communities and if it makes sense to nestle some of them in hidden away for you to either find or make contact with for your players oh yeah and and like you said you know heavily based around the resources especially focusing on water i think that's a great point to make because like you said you can't just buy enough to survive if you're a group and you know it's that's a lot to transport you have to drink water daily and shit you know um so that's a great point um, capricious nature here and says a ma major issue to note if you have highly valuable or military grade items you're a huge target vehicles weapons tech and goods that's a great point like you want all that to get through the badlands right because you, you want to be able to get through sticky situations but it's kind of like by having it you're drawing that attention too it's like if you're low key you look less of a target like ah fuck they don't look like they, they have anything worth taking you know um, but you want enough to protect yourself but the more you do the more you look like you have shit worth taking um, so that's a great point. It's it's totally true, but it's kind of that catch-22. Like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I would rather do than don't, because if you don't, like, no matter what, they're going to at least want to, like, take your vehicle or see if you have something, or I don't know. Um, I would rather be heavily armed, make sure I have, like, a solo, a nomad on the team, that sort of situation. Um, and, and based on what you said, I think about the cave dweller thing, I think that's when that comment popped up, but Robert said they're we uh, weirdest homeowners association ever. <laughs> I like that. Um, but yeah, a good thing to bring up here, uh, you know, aside from scavengers, the random roaming gangs and stuff, the nomads that are holding down, you know, supply chains and travel and all that, there's the established federal government, the Pacifica Confederation, there's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, militias that are running. Uh, both of those factions plus independent ones that have broken off doing their own thing. So aside from kind of the the crazy Badland stuff, there is a little bit of like, I don't know, feeling of civilized organization, but it's all like, uh, to me it feels very like, you know, militia, military based, obviously, because the Badlands is, it's, it's, it's dangerous. But I did want to talk about that because you got the whole Boston, Washington area, which is the whole uh, Boswash, they call it, and then they've got the, Boswash Corridor, which goes from New York to Miami, I guess, which is their supply chain that they really heavily protect all of that because that's like their main federal government uh, area. Then you've got like the, the west, the northwest, I should say, um, like Northern California and all that, which is the Pacific Confederation. And, and anybody correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just going off memory of what I was reading, but there are a couple things I'm getting at here. I just wanted to lightly touch base on this. So you, f you feel at least some of the civilized, I don't know, government feeling that that is going on outside of badlands like yeah there's all the badlands but you do have pacifica confederation trying to keep things civilized up there you got boswash thing in the corridor going on um it does mention everything uh past mississippi i imagine till you hit that boswash corridor all over there they kind of refer to that as the wild wild west feeling um so i i, I do feel that they say like independent militias run it and you might run into stuff like that and i i, I want to talk about that in a minute um but before we dive into those things i mentioned would you do me a favor and just read a couple sections from the book yeah, um, sure. so we can uh, just get that information? It's page 258, um, it, just that whole section about superpower no more, and then right past that, I think it's fragmented America. I don't know if that's what it is, but there's the superpower no more and then the fragmented section. Both those sections uh, have some great information. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're on 258 of the CRB. Um Alright, uh, since the end of the Fourth Corp War, the United States has lost much of its superpower status, but that doesn't matter much as most of Europe and the Far East are in the same position. What U.S. military still exists is organized as the Combined Operations Groups, or COGS, task forces, 
that combines ships and our aircraft, armor, and infantry into cohesive fighting battalion. Their main mission is to deal with the threats of the Bajwash Corridor and the federal government's interests. On the other hand, since the Fourth Corporate War, several of these COGs have broken away from the United States and are now operating as private armies for hire, personal mini-kingdoms, and even marauding packs of well-armed raiders. In many ways, the United States is very much as it was in the late 1800s, a civilized East Coast controlled by the federal government in Washington, D.C., and a wild west of independent territories uh, east of the Mississippi, and an unincorporated west coast from Seattle to Mexico. The territories are pretty much on their own, hiring local militia or mercenary armies to keep the peace, while the sprawl of Night City is maintained by its own system of interlocking local factions and power blocks. The United States government is still primarily centered in the Boston-Washington Corridor, aka Boswash, that extends from New York to Miami, where it operates as an effective regional government, much as the regional councils do for Night City and the Pacific Confederation. The branches of the federal government still operate as before. There are legislative, executive, and judiciary branches, and they have little or no effect on anything past the Mississippi, and their members come almost exclusively from the eastern near Midwest. Yeah, and that's is that the end of that section? Yeah, it goes on to, to discuss the president after that. Oh okay, yeah, because I want to I want to talk about the, the next one that's titled "Fragmented Something" or whatever. But before we, we you see that section. Yeah, I just did Fragmented America. Okay, with the superpower no more, you did both of those? Perfect. Yes. Okay, yeah, because my main point there was I wanted to talk about these militias because the first thing you see there is they're not like, there's not like different divisions of the military or uh, brackets or whatever. What's the right word? Um, my mind just went blank. What do you call it? You know, Navy, Air Force, Marines, the different... Uh, damn, my mind went blank. There's a word for it. Uh, any any ex-military you might know, but... Um, but yeah, in this case, like these militias, they have a little bit of everything. You know, they're these little, you know, group branches. Thank you. Uh, little groups of uh, militias that have a, you know, a little bit of air force, a little bit of ground uh, military, you know, uh, maybe a little water support, you know, but they, it's these little groups. And that, I think that's what's probably just as dangerous as these gangs or could be at least just as sticky of situations. Um the power behind, you know, maybe a gang encounter, like maybe morally it might be a little different, obviously. Might have more diversity and more uh, 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 options for what they're motivated by, same as like scavengers, right? Because very humanized, but dangerous as hell because they're going to have an, a little militia with, you know, it's going to be a little militia. They're going to have a little mini army and all these weapons and vehicles and stuff. So that's another thing. Crossing Badlands, it's not just going to be these random groups and things you're going to run into like slightly organized militias and that's dangerous you know and i can also see that crossing borders you know i know that in red they don't really lean heavily on like ids your whole like uh what is it the state issued number and id card and all that stuff like it's not required you know like it's very flexible because you might get an id with this nomad family or this city or this and like tomorrow they're not even there anymore they've been wiped out you know so like they don't make you uh do that but i could i could see that aspect coming into play is like maybe you're entering a different city or crossing a border a private militia whoever's protecting might check you out and yeah it's not required but where are you from again and oh you're coming from night city okay so what exactly are you guys transporting from there like everybody knows night city's kind of fucked up it's like the uh international waters of cities right um so you get my point i think these militias it can it leads to uh just as much chance of encounter like type of encounter scavengers but even more dangerous and, and uh you know serious 
as gangs and more, you know? Uh, what do yeah. you think about militias and all that? Um, yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind is if you want to, like, inspiration for creating this setting, um, if you've played the Wasteland games, uh, specifically Wasteland 3, um, thinking about the Rangers and how they operate as, like, a regional militia um, for kind of a, a post-apocalyptic world uh, makes a really great example of how they might operate. Um, the uh, What I think about militias is, one, I think it's a perfect opportunity to present players with an object they can't shoot themselves past, right? Um, it's like you're driving on the road and suddenly there's a big reinforced you know wall in front of a highway and it's the this militia that's set up and they're former u.s military and they have a couple of big old 50 cal machine guns or whatever that will shred your vehicle to pieces and there's nowhere for you to hide like i know it's a great want to loot you they just want to tax you what they normally tax everybody are you gonna go up and are you gonna be polite to these dudes in power armor with big guns who are gonna be like all right well pay us you know five percent of your product that's our normal tax then you can go through our toll road um i think uh, one of the most interesting things is presenting obstacles to players that they can't shoot through because it really makes people think it forces uh, good role play it forces yeah. good role play it, it, it tends to lean away you're gonna force them to lean away from combat because they know they can't just fight their way through um they've got to be creative they've got to get tricky are they going to try to you know, tactfully back up, pull a stealth thing and try to get around, find a different way. Like you said, are they going to talk their way through? And how is that going to go? Is it going to be, like you said, the polite route? Are they going to try to fast talk and lie their way through or just straight up tell the truth and try to be nice about it? Or, you know, and then again, it's also depending on how the GM's playing that militia at the time. You know, how are they driven? Is it just a simple cut and dry? They're, they're real cold and tired of being out there and they just want their percentage that they have to collect for their group and they're not willing to flex, you know, be flexible. Or are they driven more by like corrupt? Like, hey, uh, actually, boss has been taking care of some shit for the past few days up in whatever city, and we're kind of running this on our own. Uh, yeah, yeah, tax is ten percent, not not five percent. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so is it different things like that? And maybe the players have a chance to do a little human perception to tell they're lying or something. And then, you know, I don't know. I feel like, like you said, it's a great way with militias to to show the players you're you're not able to fight your way through. You're gonna have to do some role playing and be creative right here. And, like, think about um, kind of armed independent groups historically, right? Um, the What they tend to do um, is they fall into a couple buckets. One is they loot and pillage and go back to a safe spot, right? So if the militia is not looting and pillaging and going back to a safe spot, they're likely being sell swords or hired guns or whatever for another group um, to go do that kind of thing, and they're getting paid. And if they're not doing those two things generally what groups of armed people do is they find a vulnerable group and become their protection whether they wanted to or not mm -hmm. uh, and so a lot of times if you're going to see this um an armed group will set up outside of like you know one of those independent communities we talked about earlier maybe they have like a big well and they have multiple functioning greenhouses that were well hidden away and well okay now they're your protection group whether you like it or not and also they're going to put a toll on the highway and they built a wall outside here and now they have you know a consistent source of food and these people begrudgingly have a group of armed men who's willing to shoot people um, in exchange for you know continuing to take their food and drink their water mm -hmm. um, so generally i would see militias falling into those three groups if not all three of them at the same time mm -hmm. uh, so i love that inspiration use for incentives or um, goals they might have yeah and uh robert tables brought up you know 
TV series and, and movies and TV series that can influence kind of, you know, how you create Badlands. And I agree, like we mentioned before about, you know, Mad Max Road Warrior style things, but uh, I love that you brought up Jericho. Uh, and my wife, Valerie, said, love that series. Yeah, we love that. Um, have you seen that, Lobster Falcon? Have you ever watched it? Oh, look Look up Jericho. I think it's currently on Netflix or Amazon Prime. It's somewhere free right now. I, I saw it. Um, I kind of wanted to rewatch it. But Jericho is a great series. It feels very, like, uh, corrupt and fucked up with, like, the whole militia and independent faction vibe of things going on. Then you have, like, the desperation of supply thing going on. It's not necessarily pushed so badlands. I feel like it's, it'd probably be more East Coast, more Dixie, more in that corridor area. But still all that crazy shit going on. Watch it. It's a great uh, series and and actually uh, Robert, I don't know if you're familiar, but they continued on. They ended that series on like uh, series two or three or whatever, but they actually continued the series in comic book form. I have it, um, the comic books, but you can look it up and the story continues in comic book form. Really cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what other uh, uh, things? You know, when I think the whole militia vibe is great. Mm. Um, you know, and like you said, I think the details of how that militia is there can also be just as great, you know, Jim can get creative with that. Um, I think like I, like I said, like you said, it, it forces some role play, which is a great thing. It, it puts this sort of big, powerful thing in their way. Uh, cause like, you know, like we said, Jim's job is to present problems and situations, you know, um, it, it's almost like in the city, if you have a, a a really big corporation that has lots of security and assassination team and you know lots of disposable resources and money and all that and you're not just going to be able to walk in and shoot up the corp and fuck them up like if they if they're an enemy of yours you got to be tactful it forces some good role play some tactful thinking and I think that's where in the badlands militias come into play um, or or running into you know the Pacifica Confederation or the actual um, you know militia that's directly hired by the federal government part of the whole boswash uh thing the whole corridor and all that yeah um a good inspiration for you know players of fallout would be if you're going to think of pacific confederation troops um so like to remember that the pacific confederation that's going to be um northern and southern california which used to be separate states um and then oregon washington idaho and british columbia so they've grouped together as still independent states um, as the Pacific Confederation. Um, and their primary goal is actually rebuilding infrastructure between all of them. So all of those groups are trying to reconnect electricity, reestablish roads between one another. Um, they're trying to um, conglomerate military and intel between them. Um, and they're very much federalist, right? So they're not, you know, Northern California is not messing with Southern California. Northern California is not messing with Oregon as much as possible, unless there's issues at the border. Um, but it's very much seeing that they want to reestablish trade, sharing of resources between them. Um, so uh, Northern California and Southern California um, are the, basically on either side of Night City, right? Um, and their border is kind of right in between, but there's so much badlands, empty space around Night City that they don't venture up there too much. Um, so in that case, uh, if you want to represent them, really think about NCR. Yep, there you go. Um, the New California Republic from Fallout as kind of how they might be represented in that Badland area between them. Um, they're going to be setting up forward bases. They're going to be um, kind of exploring maybe with some troops. Uh, maybe they've heard about a particular militia that was harassing, you know, um, you know, whatever Southern Californian Republic 
troops and now they're venturing out to go address it now you have two groups that you can't shoot your way past what happens when the players are caught in the middle um yeah no, so, I, I love that the conflict between these different areas you know and what they're trying to do and yeah. No, and thanks, Robert. I, I see that, saw that shout out while we're going. As much as you love the YouTube vids, I just got to say, no replacement for a live stream with all you lovely people. Oh yeah, we we you know we love it too. That's why I do so many live streams. You know, I love making the tutorials and crash course videos and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I love streaming live because I love uh, having fellow GMs on. You know, talking off the top of our heads and having conversations and seeing where it goes and what creative things we can come up with, and then pulling ideas and, and things from chat. I love when everybody uh, joins us and contributes. It's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great point to make. You know, when it comes to these militias, Pacific, uh, Pacifica Confederation, the whole Boswash thing, um, you know, their motivations as a group, as governments, really, because they're all trying to, like you said, establish civilization as it once was. You know, they want to reconnect and remake it. So they have their own motivations. And maybe that's some of the things that you run across in those parts of the Badlands. Maybe you'll run across some construction, some running power lines, different things they're trying to rebuild, running pipe from water. And think of the conflicts and things that they might run into, or you might come across that and they're dealing with their own situation or conflict. And maybe it's a chance for players to help make a little side cash, a little connection, something could be something like that too. Yeah. A, um, I was doing a little bit of research on just kind of ideas for this particular scenario. Um, one of the best ones I found that UGMs can steal is uh, northeast of Night City uh, is Lake Nacimiento, right? And that is a man-made lake behind a, a dam um, that is a power-generating dam just outside of Night City, right? So in, along with being a source of water, um, however, it is mercury poisoned, so this might be an opportunity to figure out how to clean up this mercury poisoned lake. Um, but then also, um, it at least had fish in it in you know 2021. Um, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Um, but it is generating power from this dam. So this is a perfect opportunity for groups to be um, fighting over this giant power generating facility. Um, maybe it is north of Night City, so maybe um, the uh, Northern Cal State. Uh, Nor NorCal Ecotopia Free State uh, is trying to come down and reestablish control, hook it up to all of their power lines. Um, but maybe it's been taken over by one of these militia groups that we talked about. Uh, and now all of a sudden you have conflict that they're trying to hire. Uh... You see, yes. Ro Robert, <laughs> I, I need you to roll for fish. We're going to have to do a, yeah, fi a fish check. Uh... It's going to have three eyes and all. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, you're going to have diarrhea for months, but, you know, you, you got some fish to eat. Um, but, no, I, that's perfect opportunity to do a nice uh, stat check, you know. Maybe it's just a 1d10 trying to get your stat or lower to make it successful. Maybe it's a luck thing, one of those luck checks where you just do a, a you know, roll, hit your luck number or lower to see if you're lucky enough to, to catch some fish or find them. If you don't have animal handling, in which case if there was fish, you could probably do that check to see if you catch them. Um, but no, I, I think that's funny though. I'm going to need you to do a fish check. Um, but yeah, that's a great point. Again, you know, uh, the resources po powering these things and like there, there's something in the, technically in the Badlands, part of Night City, but it's powering Night City. It's the water uh, and, and power plant, uh, great source for uh, conflict of control, you know, a great power, power uh, struggle right there. Uh, potential anyways. Um, um, but yeah, I think... Uh, uh, you know, the other thing, too, uh, that I wanted to bring up, and it's not necessarily like typical Badlands, but it's still, to me, considered Badlands because it's outside of Night City. Because let's not forget, not everything has to be on land. 
but the deep downers. Uh, this is something that Red goes over, these under, underwater dome cities, uh, mining and all that. But if you, if you go to page uh, 262 and read that section about deep downers, um, I think that'd be a great thing to... Uh, to yeah, and see, oh. Robert says, yeah, let's talk about water. Because, you know, they have those traveling uh, cities, the little float things and people that have converted uh, uh, oil rigs and things into cities on the water. Uh, what do they call those? The drift? What? You want me to touch on drift nations first, then deep um, down? Yeah, go ahead and do that, because then we're touching all water. I think that's a good thing to, to, to bring up. Yeah, drift nations and then the, the yeah. All right, cool. So let's starting with drift nations. Um, during the fourth corporate war, many of the floating work platforms... Uh, and drift cities of OTEC and its rival CINO were the epitome of oceanic technology. The most famous of these floating cities is Aqua Delphi, the former home and headquarters of the OTEC corporations near Hawaii. Other floating cities like Florida's Atlantis are somewhat smaller, while still others began as shanty towns, constructed from old oil rigs or jury rig platforms made from abandoned, lashed together oil tankers, as is the case with the offshore colonies in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, Pirates, hostile corporate navies, and the perils of the open ocean threatened to wipe out these individual cities during and after the war. But by banding together in loose confederations, these drift cities, more properly named drift nations, are now small nation states onto themselves, located in international waters with their own defense forces, making them hubs of international shipping and import-export, a true no-man's land of free-living free fringe folk. And as terminals uh, for the expanding trade network that has replaced the old shipping webs before the war, the drift nations are now a center of both pirate and legitimate nomad activity. Um, do you want to do drift nations and we can do yeah, deep yeah. down? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would like to talk about that a little bit because, like, you know, first vibe feelings. Like, I, I again, I think it lends to uh, however the GM wants to play it, however the players influence that encounter. Um, but again, it's going to potentially have scavenger vibe up to militia vibe. Like, I, I think it has so much potential. Um, with what that particular drift nation or what you run into, the, the caliber of that encounter. Um, it seems yep. like it could be really diverse and, and dynamic. Um, it, it could be powerful. You know, it could be like ex-militia grouping and, uh, like Robert said, feels very Navy. Um, could be very pirate-like. Uh, but it could also be very scavenger or maybe like, uh, you know, a little nomad family sort of thing going on because let's not forget nomads run the water, air, and land, you know? Yeah. Um, that's a, uh, a visual that I just had that was pretty cool is, um, imagine an, you know, old aircraft carrier that just has a bunch of ships all strapped to it. Maybe the aircraft carrier, um, has no more, mo you know, motor power, but it still has its nuclear reactor and it's powering mm -hmm. all of these other ships that are like octopus with cords coming out of it. Um, and they're all dragging this big, uh, you know, city along. Um, with all their different motors um and so you have this city operated out of this you know old nuclear reactor powered um you know aircraft carrier with a, a city all built on its deck because they don't have jets anymore yeah i love that it reminds me of uh you know the cargo ship thing in water world yeah you know like it's, has that water, water world yeah, um, water world has that vibe you know with the with the big uh tanker ship sort of city that they're living on and you know as you go down the levels it gets more and more grimy even all the way down to that oil tanker with the old guys in there like oh shit that's, yeah. i think that's one of my favorite scenes if anyone remembers Waterworld. i'm actually a fan, i like that movie but um the, when the guy would uh i forget what what his name the hero guy was it played by uh cosner or whoever but when he drops the fire into the tank 
of fuel and the old guy that's been down there has to check the levels every time the flame drops down and he like looks at it and he's like oh thank god like he, like he was excited to die he's like oh thank god like he's just tired of that job you know he's stuck down there but i just love that part the desperation of that moment um and, but he's happy about it uh yeah number plus one for water world no i love that i love that idea and that's you know shows like the size of it like i said it could be an oil rig or like you said i think uh uh, an old uh, aircraft carrier is a great idea, or maybe it's a, a cargo ship or something, but it could be that big in a mobile city and even powering subsidiary, uh, you know, mobile uh, watercrafts around it or something. Yeah, yeah I like that um, a lot. And, yeah, and so with all these things, right, um, just for your player realism and for your own sanity, think about the logistics, right? Um, so something that big with enough people on it. They're going to have greenhouses for, you know, somehow ability to grow food. They're probably going to be fishing out in the deep water. They're likely going to have a lot better, you know, less pollution from the the uh, from the um, stuff that was happening on land. So they're probably going to have better fish catching as like a primary source of their food. Um, they're going to have ways to desalinate water, or at least they're going to be catching water from rain on the surface as much as possible for their water sources. Um, but yeah, then water purification have, systems will be a big thing in these uh, yep. cities, you know, because they they got to deal with that. And think about if they can move or not, right? So the ones attached to oil rigs are obviously anchored where they are, but the ones that we're talking about that can drift, um, they're going to be moving, and they're going to be moving to where it's beneficial to them, and likely they're going to be following Gulf streams and stuff like that. Um, so maybe they're going, you know, up the coast to where the water is. They're following the Gulf Stream where the water is warm all the time because um, it makes it easier to navigate. Uh, maybe you have a cool event, which is uh, this giant drift nation actually does a trip across the Pacific, right? And they go up and around. They do a huge trip. They trade all of this stuff in Japan or China. And then six months later, they end up back on the California coast for a month. And you just like suddenly now there's more pirates than there ever were before, but there's also more stuff you can buy. The night markets are going crazy with all this imported stuff from China or Japan or Hong Kong. Like it's a really cool opportunity to it to bring in a transient player into your world in what sometimes might feel like a semi-static night city. Uh, oh yeah, no, I, I did that on the docks in my previous. I think it was the 2020 Jumpstart combo um, where it was like the these pirate nomads they were sort of a a little bit of both because they would they would deal in illegals but they were doing that same thing you know they would travel and they would come back to night city every other month with uh you know supplies that they would trade and do things like that um and then oh i think it was i wanted to catch that jail thing because i think that leads to some good role play and options there uh, it was robert said on a ship like that there's got to be a jail a kitchen etc and then uh, Rex says, no jail needed, a bullet and feed the sharks. And see, there, there's a good example. Like, you know, I could see it going either way. You know, what type of people are, are running, are living on this particular drift nation? Um, are they, you know, peaceful and trying to establish a civilized community where they might have a jail and they, they believe in reforming and they have a set of rules and things aside from just obviously, you know, keeping the, the food growing and the water filtered? And they actually have like moral laws and things that they try to uphold and they do believe in reform. Or maybe it's a more cutthroat sort of realization where it's like, you know, we don't have time for that shit. If you fuck up, you're dead, you're out, <laughs> you know, and it's just a little more uh, black and white. Uh, I could see it being played any number of ways. And that leads to a lot of great role play, you know, uh, GM can play with those dynamics, you know, and I think it also plays in what type of 
drift nation the the people are made up of you know is it more of that pirate vibe you know more of the survival scavenger vibe is it more of a nomad trade and travel vibe um you know and like you said is it is it a drifting drift nation or is it more of a oil rig drift nation so to speak like where it's stationary yeah um, so lots and of the, options yeah somebody mentioned earlier in the chat about um oh you know nomads in the water i think a lot of these drift nations and a lot of these oil rigs are actually going to be primarily operated by nomad families um these are going to be groups who are highly experienced on the water they're going to have access to um boats uh they're going to know how to fix them they're going to know how to do stuff with them uh, and they're going to be willing to transport and trade and so those people are the water nomads um and so we uh th you know so think about um how the water nomads um how are going to have relationships with the ground nomads right like um if you're not part of the alta caldos but you're about to come up and screw up everybody's trade it's likely going to be that the water nomads if they're respectful to other nomads send somebody ahead to go talk to the alta caldos tell them hey what's up um but not even that um Maybe they call up the Alta Caldos and say, all right, we're bringing in all these goods. We're going to give you first pick to go trade to take wherever you want to because this is all stuff you can't really get here um, and then ship it out um, rather than make enemies make friends. Um, great, great role play opportunities. You know, like I was saying, there's a lot of great opportunity there. Um, and this is back on the whole jail or just killing them. I think they said... Uh, uh, Oh, I guess, uh, yeah, the, a fancy guy like me ain't going to use small sails. Sorry, I we were talking about an uh, aircraft carrier oh, pilot. Oh, 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 <laughs> that's why I was confused. I was trying to catch up on the chat there. I think that was about the aircraft carrier, maybe. Yep. Um, oh, and this is dump, dump. Oh, there it is. It would make sense. Is that about the car? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were, so the, what Rob Grad 98 said uh, is that it would make sense for the most egregious crimes, execution and dumping in the ocean would be the best method of punishment. Um, and we were just talking about the response to um, whether or not the, uh, uh, you know, how puni crime and oh, punishment okay. operate on those things. Yeah, okay. So after no sales feed the sharks, I, I see Rob, Robert first says, imagine, and I, I just, if you scroll back up in the chat, yeah. I missed that part. Uh, an aircraft carrier that has a busted engine and has to use actual sails and winds to move. And yeah, that could be a total thing too. I like that. You know, it puts a little bit of issue with uh, the aircraft carrier, maybe, you know, some tech fixing situation, some good role play there. Um, and I think that's where they played in. Those are some big fucking sails you said. Um, okay, capricious nature. Soylent green is people. <laughs> Did they bring up that? I'm trying to catch up on chat. I apologize to chat. And if I missed some of these... Um, but I love the Soylent Green conversation because that, that seem, seems to come up a lot in these chats. I was just talking about that in the um, uh, Cyberpunk Uncensored Discord, I think it was, or it might have been the Red RPG group on Facebook. Um, but somebody was talking about that. Uh, you know, if, if, if that could be a possible thing. But I, I really feel like Kibble's not that far off. Um, <laughs> I think someone even mentioned that in chat. Wait, hold on. Soylent Green is people, huge, fancy guy like me, these small sales. No, maybe it wasn't. Uh, somebody, I thought somebody mentioned that. Well, anyways, I'm mentioning it. I think Kibble is barely a step up from Soylent Green anyways. Um, but, yeah, I could see that, you know, getting to that point. I think it, le it leans into that, like like you said, if you're pulling that Fallout vibe uh, when you hit the Badlands. 
um, you know, whether water or land, is it going to get that desperate where you run into like cannibal vibe? Uh, scavengers, I think it'd be probably really rare. I think when you, when you start leaning into that vibe or like a mutant vibe or getting that crazy, um, you're starting to get into that version three of cyberpunk and, uh, um, or cyber generation, um, and it just gets a little little out there, a little far for me, a little too into sci-fi. Um, I think if you're going to go that route, yeah, just just go for Fallout, you know. And Fallout's actually coming out with a tabletop role-playing game. Um, I think they released some of it or something, but the official uh, book and all that comes out this summer. Um, and one thing I like about that is I think the year that they're playing off is after 2077. It's like a nu- nuclear war, Fallout. It, it, it fits in perfectly if you look at it like Cyberpunk 2020 going into Red, going into 2077 video game. Maybe after that there's... Nuclear uh, war happens again, leads into fallout or something. <laughs> but yeah, you can pull ideas from there. When um, just for Robert Tables, when you're uh, portraying cannibals, uh, the easy way to um, highlight that that something may be up for your players is uh, describe uh, multiple people who have the shakes. Um, when you get a prion disease from eating too many people, it actually manifests in symptoms like Parkinson's. Uh, and so it's an easy way to kind of foreshadow that the group that you're encountering leans heavily on cannibalism. Uh, uh, okay, Rob Grad on an aircraft carrier with a working nuclear reactor. Um, that would be a game changer, and it would give the Drift Nation a powerful bargaining chip. Oh, definitely, yeah. I know if, if I feel like if the Drift Nation is of that caliber. Um, that they have a big aircraft carrier, you know, a nuclear reactor, and they're powering stuff. You know, it's it's the equivalent of a city. You know, they they do have some power. They have some leverage there, um, especially to fellow drift nations that maybe don't have that sort of power. Um, you know, maybe there's a whole hierarchy going on on the water um, that's based on that. Um, okay, I see you. Re- you replied. Yep, that would be an incredible asset. So you're. I'm catching up on the chat. You're already there. <laughs> Sorry, chat. I just wanted to bring it up. Um, yeah, no, and I like that shakes idea. It's some great foreshadowing. Uh, if that's a, you know an exact. Uh, um, if you've seen, you know, uh, of gosh, people. Book of Eli. Um, Book of Eli does that same foreshadowing, right? Where the family, um, they've got the they've got the shakes going on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that is a that is a symptom of extended uh, consumption of human flesh. I don't remember if it's directly related to prion disease or missing an essential protein, but it's one of the two. Uh, the uh, chat, you have any other questions on Drift Nations? Um, yeah, I think it's a great space for people to introduce their own pirates or do kind of an extended pirate section where you're um, either fighting off pirates like as a hired gun or um, you know investigating a giant Drift Nation ship or something like that. Um, well, definitely, uh, I, I like... Robert saying, I think eventually insect farming would be a reasonable thing at that time, 100%, you know, because cockroaches are going to live through the, all that nuclear fallout and stuff. Might as well start eating them, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I agree. I think let, let's move on to the uh, the deep downers because I do want to talk about that. I think it's really interesting, um, some fun ideas there. But, um, but as always, chat, if, you know, you have any ideas based on the Badlands, whether on the water, Drift Nations, out, out on the land or whatever, anything, bring it up in chat. We can flip around subjects. This is anything and everything Badlands, uh, land, sea, and air, anything outside of Night City we want to cover. So uh, anybody has any ideas, put them in. But if you would, I think it's page uh, 262. Yep, yeah, the Deep Downers, if you want to read that. Sweet. All right, the Deep Down. Um, 
Over the past two decades, uh, the corporations expanded not only into space, but into the ocean depths as well. The web of deep sea domes and facilities were scattered across the continental shelves of most of the continents, with even some very secretive ones located deep in the Atlantic Pacific trenches. The domes varied greatly in size, ranging uh, in capacity from 20 people up to as many as a few thousand. Besides the many research domes, there were semi-submerged green farms where krill and cryptoparlin, two essential islands in cryptopaplin, whatever, um, two essential items in day-to-day -day life were harvested and processed in addition to more exotic seafood. The other major subsea industry was deep sea mining for rare and valuable minerals and oil. An extremely dangerous profession, although technology made the work far safer than several decades ago, working and living in these undersea facilities gradually became the everyday world for several thousand people who began to refer to this community of subsurface cities as the Deep Down. During the war, the Deep Down survived by cutting any links to the surface and becoming as, as invisible as possible. Dome dwellers developed active camouflage systems that hid their locations from prowling combat subs and their weapons. Even now, the full extent of the Deep Down is uncharted, as the Deep Downers don't trust the corpse to not drop a few torpedoes or depth charges in their fragile domes, as often happened during the Fourth Corporate War. Only recently have they begun to forge tentative links with the Drift Nations, whom they use as a safe go-between with the Nomads and other non-affiliated groups. Alright. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I really like uh, I really like the idea of these underwater domes sort of you know, mining and, you know, supply communities that are down there. Um, it just, it, to me, it feels just like, you know, the drift nations, just like, uh, you know, if you were to come across, you know, one of those maybe scavenger groups that have established like a faction or something like that's not traveling anymore, you know, out in the badlands. It just, it feels like, potential for a whole other bureaucracy or however you want to word it, a whole uh, um, set of society, um, uh, you know, processes and moral laws maybe within themselves that have nothing to do with other cities or other things you're used to. It could be completely new and different. Um, think of, you know, different timelines of the way life was and laws were and how people were you know, maybe less democratic and more dictatorship. Like you could go that route. You can take things from history and put them down there. I feel like it's just, it's such potential to be separated from the norm because of what it is, even more so than the drift nations because of being separated by, by all that water, not just being on top of it, breathing the same air, but having its own uh, environment, you know? Um, and I like the fact that it talks about them working with drift nations to kind of be the go-between with nomads and supply chains and stuff. You know, it's probably detrimental to their society if they didn't, you know? Yeah. One of the That's things survival. to think of the timeline is the most insular of the um, of the Deep Downers is probably not going to have spoken to anyone else since 1996, right? That's when the United States collapses. Um, and that's when um, nomad, the nomad riots happen. Um, and so... As the United States starts collapsing, that's very likely that there are people in 2045 who haven't haven't seen another person outside of their pod in 50 years. Um, so you can think of all sorts of ways to have a really insular culture. Maybe they've developed their own pidgin language right over that time. Um, maybe um, that's a group that is so concerned about inbreeding at this point that actually the reason they're reaching out for others is they're looking for new people to add to their population to mix up their genetics. Again, very water world. Yeah. <laughs> they did that in that movie. <laughs> yeah. So, like, 
there's all sorts of different ways um, to think about what are the unique situations that are around um, a group of people that are hyper isolated in a really dangerous area, which is deep underwater. Um, even uh, uh, a classic thing of what if uh, they've lived for so long and a part they can't replace breaks. Now they have are on a timeline to get that part or their pumps collapse or they no longer have air purifiers or something like that. Um, maybe that's where the you know the edge runners who are playing with a drift nation get a call being like all right we need you to go and we need you to get this part and this part is not for sale in fact the only place we know of this part is inside of a biotechnica research facility and i need you to steal it and if you don't three thousand people die mm -hmm. uh, that's like a cool you know a, a cool thing where you're actually the good guys kind of but you know in that gray area where edge runners normally live yeah again you know it's the the survival you know it's the uh uh you know supply uh of their resources you know think of their water purification air purification whatever they need to you know however they're dealing with food you know if they're underwater think of not just the oxygen oxygen aspect but fire things that they have to deal with um so there can be all kinds of interesting things there and i think one thing you brought up which is kind of fun too because i you know i don't picture it as separated because obviously through 2020 you know it wasn't until fully after that the fourth corporate war that supply chains communication things really fell out the whole rabbits thing the internet i mean everything went then but i do like the idea because of back in when, when was it 90 uh what did you say yeah i do like the idea that maybe there are some that are that are completely disconnected even from back then like even during you know, the 2020s leading up to fourth corporate war, there might have been some from prior that, that had that disconnection and they're completely autonomous. They're, they're their own uh, society and their own uh, uh, self-sufficient sort of thing. Uh, but I uh, actually, most of them would have locked down in 2000, right? The wasting plague hit the US killing millions. In an insulated community like that, you have to lock down. Otherwise everybody dies. So I think at a minimum- And they're forced to be locked down. They're, they're stuck yeah. that many- you know miles underwater or depending on where they are but you know yeah capricious nature brought up um i actually have two things from chat so capricious nature brought up there's a good chance the players might run across the wasting plague or carbon plagues out in the oceans or underwater um imagine if you stumble upon a group of people inside of one of these domes uh and they all have the wasting plague but didn't die from it now you have a whole group of carriers what do you do they need stuff they need to contact people now you throw your players into position if you open unleash the wasting plague again you could kill millions of people right but yeah, they're also a hybrid version too you know yeah maybe it's a new mutated version that didn't kill them because of for some reason um but suddenly uh they uh yeah covid 45 man the bad shit yeah robert uh, says one bubble <laughs> still has covid 19 yeah <laughs> but yeah COVID, uh, wasting plague is much worse um yeah so the yeah so imagine you can have that scenario where this isolated community has wasting plague um how do you deal with it do you just ignore them what if somebody else stumbles upon them um the other thing i want to bring up from chat is uh robert tables asks so like what do those connections look like i was gonna um, bring that up too yeah. okay um so there's a couple ways to do it one um you could think of a standard like RF communication. Imagine that they have a way to reel a buoy all the way up with a, a connection wire that's a hard line that comes down to them um, that they can do transmitting signals from. Um, 
the other way to do it is maybe they have a sub that they deploy with all of their trade goods or something, right? They have to get stuff down there uh, that they deploy that sub to. Um, I like to imagine that various groups have done various things. I think the easiest one is probably they deploy a cable um, with a gigantic box, airtight box up to the top, and then just reel it back in. You know, think of like a, a airtight cargo container they can bring in and out. Um, but also like a, a transport sub up to the surface would probably work. Um, so you could either do the people connection, you could do the radio connection with like a floating tower or something like that. Um, maybe they just have a surface tower buoy that permanently lives out there that they use to listen to radio signals for. Um, I was going to say all of those. It's funny. Th those were my three that I was going to mention. Um, you know, some type of airtight cargo that's tethered that they, that you know, is on some type of uh, reel or something. It just can cycle when they need it uh, to bring supplies or a transport or both, you know. Uh, they obviously would need some type of uh, transport, whether it be how they got started down there how did they you know get there or unless they were just dropped off and stranded or you know they have that for emergencies how to how to get the hell out you know if they had to ultimately but um but yeah with those supply chains I, I i picture it the same way like even if it is uh, an established buoy line of communication or something that's broadcasting for them to connect to other radio signals in nearby drift nations or travelers or whatever um regardless of that communication uh, connection, they're going to have to get the supplies down there one way or another, and that's where that airtight cargo comes or some type of transport. Uh, I like the cargo idea because um, it's going to be more regular. You know, the transport thing, I think the people aren't going to want to get out of there. They're going to be their own ecosystem, their own society. So I, I like I like the idea more of it being this sort of, you know, tra uh, cargo uh, container thing or whatever. And yeah, what's up, G Shields? Says hi to all. Enter the chat. What's up? Thanks for joining us. Um, what yeah. An idea for you to, to pick on, uh, if you want a way to drag your players uh, into somewhere like the deep down, um, if you have a lawman or somebody who's kind of known as an investigator, imagine a fixer reaches out to your group and says, all right, um, we've got a serial killer on the loose, but it's in a place you've never been before. Um, yeah, and like their that. contact reach out to them that in this, you know, underwater deep down thing with, you know, 2000 people, uh, there's a serial killer and they don't know how to hunt it down. Um, and you know people are starting to get scared and panic and they want to dress as quick as possible so they go and get some you know surface surfaced edge runners to go try and hunt down this brutal serial killer in the underground or the deep down it's funny uh, I, I had an idea for that on uh, oil rig uh, sort of drift nation idea but I like I like the deep downers more because when I started reading about that and getting into it uh, recently and and re getting into it for this episode I was like man it's really interesting and now that you push push that idea into it I'm like oh I might uh, <laughs> drop the idea from the rig down into that it's just that that much more of an environmental uh, change more more fun it's just more interesting and can lean to a uh, lean into some interesting role play too um, because you know like we said earlier what what is that that societal dome like because it's not like all of them are the same. It's not going to be exactly like Night City. How long have they been down there? Are they detached? Are they running their own laws and things now? Are they separate? You know, there's so many, so many options. We already talked about that. I just wanted to reiterate it. I mean, G Shield says, thank you for discussing the issues in Cyberpunk. Um, hell yeah. Yeah, check out all the series. Uh, and anybody watching the live stream, obviously we live stream them here on the Twitch all the time. Uh, but you can go to the Cyberpunk Uncensored YouTube and see all the archived versions. We have a deep dive series, Night City Live series. I have a complete crash course tutorial on Red, a bunch of interviews, the Game Master Tips series. 
GM Roundtable, plenty of live gameplay is all archived there, um, not just from me, but other GMs as well that, that stream with our brand. Um, but yeah, check all that out. Um, lots, so, of, lots of great resources. What were you going to say? Uh, yeah, one thing I wanted to talk about that's uh, not deep downers um, is we actually have missed on talking about any of the like named gangs that could be out in the Badlands. And I think there's one big obvious one, uh, which is the Raff and Shiv. Um, so uh, for those that don't know, um, outside of Night City, um, there's the Raff and Shiv, which are the most hated of the nomads. Um, even among the normally permissive nomad society, they're basically considered subhuman. Um, they're scavengers and sociopaths who prey on the innocent and weak in nomad tribes, and they're generally found outside the places of the reach of the law. Um, they're outcasts, renegades, betrayers. They steal from, kill, or enslave anyone they can. Um, and the uh, the group that is outside of Night City is called the Wraiths. Um, they travel at night. They hunt the sleeping and unwary. Um, and you probably wouldn't think there are that many unwary, but the Wraiths and other Raffin um, really show no signs of remorse. Um, they generally don't hunt the open road, um, but will prey on the outskirts of cities uh, and then move on to another one. Um, it's hard to distinguish them looking like any other booster, but they like chrome wear and stuff. Um, and they tend to have like Mad Max style vehicles. Uh, they're, they're generally like the super most fucked up of all the people that you're going to find out in the Badlands and are really are like the super bad guys. Yeah, I don't know um, how we didn't bring them up when I was talking yeah. about uh, going from the scavenger up to the booster gang, that morality shift. You know, the dynamics between scavengers going up to booster where it's like less flexible with it. But yeah, even beyond there are the Raven with getting, you know, even more of that. Uh, not that there are these alignments in cyberpunk, but just to pull it from another RPG to make sense of this conversation. It's like that, that, uh, uh, you know, evil alignment or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. A great opportunity to get your players out into the Badlands is... Um, Traditionally, the nomad, the nomad families, and Altacaldos will, if they hear about the the wraiths of the Raffin groups, they'll dispatch dog soldiers and war parties out to eliminate them. Uh, if they don't have enough people at the time, maybe they hire a bunch of Ed Runners to be led by a nomad out there to go hunt down uh, these, you know, folks who are terrifying, terrorizing people um, in the Badlands outside of Night City. Oh yeah, yeah, chaotic evil. That was the word I was looking for. They, they, they run that sort of lifestyle in my mind, you know. <laughs> They're going to have the desperation of the scavengers. They're going to have the, the brutality of the booster gangs with a touch of kind of not-give-a-fuck psycho, almost on the verge of, like, that cannibalistic vibe, if you will, like very um, uh, morally depraved, you know. I mean, like, very much so. So in particular, the wraiths, the leader of the wraiths, his name's Dog Killer, and he wears an entire suit of leather clothing made of human skin. Um, <laughs> they talk to the. They called the title of the weak members of the group are called bitch. They're literally traded like cattle from one group to another. Um, the, like the Raffin are as repulsive as possible to anyone but the most hardened cyberpunks, right? Like, um, you've got to see some bad stuff to even think about like dealing with these people as one-on-one -on -one. um so um yeah. i think the rapid are like a really great like evil as evil can get group um i think um other uh, i'm just gonna riff on some other kind of gang ideas that you might find out in um yeah. this area and, and just to reiterate those were the wraiths right the ones that they named yeah, the for you know, red 
yeah, the, the, the ones race, outside of Night City or whatever, typically. Correct, yeah. They, the race are um, a Raff and Shiv group, which is a Raff and, Raff and Shiv is a, a bad nomad group. So that's like the class is, you know, Raff and, um, Raff and Shiv, and then Wraiths are one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, other things you can think of is uh, a lot of the times there are corporations um, who will actually sponsor under the table um, Badlands gangs to harass their uh, the logistics of competitors. Um, Raffin Shiv. Yeah, no, the Wraiths are the name of the Raffin Shiv that are typically outside of Night City. Like, you know, there's different, I guess, gangs of Raffin Shiv. That's kind of like you would call like nomads. There's mm -hmm. the Raffin Shiv. But then there's different nomad families, so the different ones, uh, the Wraiths or Wraths or whatever Wraiths, I guess, would be. There's no E there. The, the Sorry. One, yeah, the ones uh, um, outside of Night City, anyways. But yeah mm -hmm. yeah um so a lot of the you know you can think of like some kind of classic biker gangs um right you know sons of anarchy type thing that you're talking about um i think would be there uh, an interesting one would be a gang that has an av4 uh, maybe they've reassembled one that they stole from a military base and maybe they have one or two and they go and use that to like hot drop onto things or uh uh, you know, have door gunners outside of it. That would be like a really cool thing. Oh, it's definitely the pride of their gang, their group. You yeah. know, like that's their pimp thing. <laughs> like they've got you know this uh, this cool thing. Um, other type of gangs you might have that are interesting are trap gangs, right? Um, so think about a really classic. Like uh, you have a fake car wreck on the side of the road of like you know an ambulance, and they get you to pull over and be vulnerable, um, and. Uh, because you're so vulnerable um, when you're like doing that, that's when they jump you and start shooting you up. Um, other times groups, um, you know, gangs like that are going to look for choke points, right? And within the Badlands with all those tunnels, um, they're going to lay ambushes. Maybe they leave mines in the middle of the ground. Maybe they um, have blown a bridge or they drop a, you know, a bunch of... The road falls happening. out. Yeah, yeah whatever. Um, those are the type of things that they would probably, how they would ambush different groups. Um, and you can think of all sorts of different reasonings behind them. Maybe there's cult psychos who live out there. Um, you know, maybe they're one of the mercenary groups that we talked about, or a subset of them that isn't as big enough to be a militia, but they've got all the training that they need. Um, maybe it's just like a weird psycho family that's super inbred after living in the California Badlands for 85 years and um, <laughs> reproducing with captured slaves and stuff. And they're just like, you could use Hills Have Eyes nutty psycho stuff as they charge out of the hills with machetes. Yeah, I think um, Robert or somebody mentioned that, that film earlier yeah. too. <laughs> it's very Badlands vibe, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, all sorts of things you can do. Um, it's it's a it definitely is whatever vibe is best for you i think um and what makes sense is a an opposition in your game um but if you ever need uh ever need a real bad guy in the badlands just start with the wraiths they're canon and they're pretty horrible and easy to hate exactly yeah and and no matter what it is like you know the badlands are going to be just as dynamic and have just as much opportunity for role play as action you know or whatever the gm wants to have happen as in the city right like you know in the city not everything is evil not everything is good but you might have npcs you can get favors from or work with just as much as ones that might fuck you up or enemies trying to kill you big corporations small booster gangs bigger booster gangs like you know the fixer that's a thorn in the side talking to the mob boss over here that has a, that's gunning for you whatever you know good and bad it's going to be the same way in badlands just with different you know 
tools, different things you're using, different, uh, you know, groups and items, you know, people, <laughs> different organizations and such. But I think within that, you know, you have the same dynamics that you can pull from. It's how you want to have them, you know, motivated, whatever group or encounter, I should say, that you're incorporating into the Badlands that your players are, are going through. But always keep it dangerous. I think that's the main thing with Badlands is, you know, the the whole vibe of it is that you're leaving the city. Yes, the city is dangerous and fucked up, but it is still civilized. They still have power and water and, you know, working toilets and things. You, you know what I mean? When you enter the Badlands, yeah, you might run into some, you know, some good scavengers, you know, some nomads traveling. There might be, you know, uh, some utopia situation or that great exec hidden bunker you found with the, like we said, the indoor tennis court and pool and shit, you know, underground or whatever. But, no matter what, even if you're running into these good situations, incorporate some danger into it. Yeah, you met those nice people and they're working with you, but then somebody's fucking with them that now you have to deal with or something comes in between that good situation or that good encounter, something disrupts it or there's something to get past to get to it, you know? Not just disrupting, but to get through. Um, no matter what, I feel like when you get into the Badlands, there's going to be more chance for conflict more of those sticky situations, you know, and like we said, even if it's militia, it's not combat driven, it's going to lean into role play, it's still going to be considered, you know, a sticky situation, you know, it's that you got to make Badlands bad, one way or another, I, I feel that. How do you feel about that, Com you know, comparatively to like city uh, campaigns, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the, I think the difference in lens is just so much about not, it's the type of danger, not the level of danger. The um, the type of threats, um, the inability for networks to fall back on. And I think it brings even more, um, just more emphasis on understanding how important managing logistics is as part of a story element. Um, so as you, you know, you can use access to water, access to food, access to roads, access to ammo as your... Um, different different things that are really important um really important to build a campaign around or even build you know a story hook around um and those are problems that don't exist as much in the city where you assume you'll be able to go to a night market and find some stuff exactly yeah yeah exactly get your get your fixer to get you your premium and above items uh, sourced mm -hmm. and shit you know but yeah badlands it's, it's just it's it's more dangerous it's more cutthroat and like capricious says sticky situations but don't ask why it's sticky <laughs> I like that. That's stupid. I like stupid jokes. Um, um for uh just a just as a thing that I've made up that I'm going to introduce into an NCS game when I get back to running those um is north of Moro Bay or north of Night City in real life. Um there's a small town called Cayucos on the coast. Um Cayucos is actually like a 100-year-old western cowboy town, right? So it's, it's got like <laughs> a saloon mentality it's got horse hitches and all that kind of stuff um and i was going to make it into a very much a uh raff and shiv versus nomad um old west style gun down place where you yeah. got you know an old sheriff who can't fight off these people and so he goes to town to get some young bucks um to come help that, yeah. these guys in the ground it's um, funny ground it, posse. Yeah, yeah oh and robert says tombstone it's not to interrupt, but it's funny because Cyber Smiley, hopefully he's still here in chat too. Uh, I was bouncing ideas with him on some Badlands stuff recently. Um, some things I have up and coming with gameplay. Uh, I don't want to get into into it too much, uh, but that's totally something he mentioned as well. Like when we were talking about 
you know, referencing and pulling ideas, whether it's book, film, TV, and all that. And uh, he said that same thing, uh, which I 100% agree. You know, Badlands, very wild, wild west. You can kind of check out some old uh, Western uh, movies and series and stuff and pull some great plot ideas uh, from that because the Badlands is very much like the wild, wild west. I mean, they even mentioned that, you know, the east of the Mississippi is still treated like that, let alone how Badlands are out in like the wasteland areas of the west where it is just desolate and fucked up out there, you know? Yeah. I just want to see a cyber psycho say, I'll be your Huckleberry while pulling out a fucking tsunami ready to let loose on some dudes. Oh, yeah. It's uh, funny that he said, dude, because Robert just said the quote, like, you're no Daisy at all. You were just too high strung. But it's funny, but yeah, I'll be your Huckleberry. So. Oh, there's Cyber Smiley in the chat just said, yep. See, no, that's great. Great minds think alike, you know? Um, no, I think we touched on, on, on a lot of great things here uh, as far as, you know, everything Badlands uh, for a Night City Live episode. You know, we covered the dynamics and options and great ideas about scavengers and those types of encounters, the different gangs you might get into, including the Raffin and militias and, you know, how that can force some good role play, the Pacifica Confederation up north, the federal government running their shit with militias over in the Boswash area and down the Boswash corridor, which goes from New York to Miami. Uh, we got into, you know, how that all came to be and the, the whole power struggle of that and the fragmented United States of America, I guess the fragmented States of America, so to speak. Um, we got into the, the deep downers and the drift nations, which I was excited to do. No one really talks about that stuff. Um, and I think it's great to work in. I've had some water things. Like I said, I have that upcoming sort of plan rig thing, and I, I like the idea of dropping it down to the deep downers. It even just gives so much more creative ideas um, and options. But I think we covered a lot of great Badlands stuff. Um, if there's anything else that we didn't cover or any other ideas that people in the chat had, drop it into chat right now. It's, you know, last call. You know, say it now or not at all, because uh, we're going to wrap up this episode. I feel like we co we covered a lot of great stuff. Oh, Cyberspace, Silver uh, Silverado was a great Western. Exactly, yeah, a great one. Um, looks like someone just walked all over your gra grave, said the <laughs> Cyber Psycho. Yeah, see, exactly, like old Western sayings. Like it, it would be fun, like as a GM, to kind of have that Cyber Psycho or someone have that rednecky vibe to it, you know, and pull some old Western badass slogan out. Uh, oh, this said held a message about cyberpunk. Oh, that's funny. Forget about cyberpunk, cyber rednecks. I missed <laughs> it all. Yeah, not cyberpunks, cyber rednecks. I like that. It's funny. Uh, but no, I think, um, we, I think we covered everything badly. Is that what were you going to say? I'm going to interject something. Oh, I was just going to say um, one of the things that I think is really interesting that's right outside of Night City that you can use as a story hook is 60 miles southeast of Night City is Vandenberg Air Force Base, um, which is part of the, it's a ballistic missile military base for the United States. So if it hasn't been nuked or hit by a rock or something like that, um, I mean, there are nuclear weapons 65 miles from Night City. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can use that as a story hook for all sorts of fun stuff. Um, yeah, and Capricious even mentioned that too, military bases out in the wastes, you know, out in the Badlands. And yeah, there's prime example that uh, Lobster just mentioned, but yeah, you can pull from real real world uh you know military bases and locations and pull them in and like you said it might might be a little different uh now you know during the time of red than what it once was but that's where a gm can get creative and pull in some weird situations or scenarios that the team has to deal with uh, but but totally out in the badlands you're going to come across just like we mentioned like bunkers and other things and independent malicious scavengers game you might come across like you know an old abandoned town like that western idea or 
a military base. Maybe it's active. Maybe it's not. Maybe a militia took it over. A gang took it over. Maybe it's abandoned. Maybe you can explore it. Maybe it's booby-trapped, you know? Um, lots of great ideas there. Let's see. Vampire bites or, or it was rocked, but the nukes were deep enough that they were all still intact if the players dare scavenge. Exactly, yeah. And maybe there's some radiation damage if they're not checking or careful. You know, they start taking, uh, I think, what's the radiation damage? You take, like, two, two points away from your hit points every round until you get out of the area. I think, I think it works like that. Yeah. <laughs> That could be brutal. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think we I think we covered it. I think we nailed it. I'm pretty satisfied um, with this episode. I think we covered everything Badlands. And, and check it out. You know, if anybody's watching this VOD on YouTube and you think of something that we didn't cover, put it in the comments. I'm constantly, uh, you know, active on all my social uh, networking sites. And uh, you know, if you put something there in comments, I'd love to pull it uh, and post it to the community so it's even just more ideas for people to enjoy. Uh, just double check chat here. Yeah, I think we're good. We're all caught up. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, why don't we do a little wrap? Uh, remind everyone where they can find you. Tell them about Night City Stories, and uh, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll call it an episode. Sweet. Um, yeah. So uh, if you want to play some some cyberpunk games online in a living world, um, please come check out. Uh, Night City Stories. Uh, Night City Stories is the largest and most active Cyberpunk Red online community. Um, we've got lots of GMs and lots of players looking to create a wonderful universe together. Um, do all sorts of stuff like blow up your cargo container with a mine and have security door kick you to start the day. Um, you can find us at uh, slash r slash Night City Stories on Reddit. Um, additionally, you can also uh, on the Cyberpunk West Marches tab inside of Cyberpunk Uncensored. Um, there's going to be a link to our um, Discord as well. Um, so Discord is where we do all of our communication and everything. Um, so please come check us out, uh, join. Um, if you're a GM uh, or want to GM, um, I'm part of the Stories team, and we do all sorts of stuff to help people feel ready to GM Cyberpunk Red. Uh, so we will always want you in your games to have, come tell our stories in our world. So uh, come check us out, please. Oh, yeah, well put. Um, yeah, and... Do you know anybody that's not familiar? Cyberpunkuncensored.com uh, is where you can go to see everything that I have going on with Cyberpunk Uncensored. All the links are there. Um, you can get to the Twitch, the Cyberpunk Uncensored YouTube, all the places that the podcast uh, posts to. Um, you can get to our Discord. You can join our newsletter. You can get to the Patreon where I have a bunch of cool perks and things there for the community as well. Uh, but while you're at Cyberpunkuncensored.com, make sure you check out all the free assets. If you look there on the front page, um, it's all blog-driven. Uh, you'll see the hashtag uh, free stuff. Click that and check out all the great stuff from the Cyberpunk Uncensored community. We have so many people um, that join our site and post to the blog. You know, auto-filling character sheets, program sheets, cyberdeck sheets. Uh, Zach did that Vehicles of Red expansion thing. Um, a system cre auto-creator. Um, just so much stuff. I have the GM report card there. Uh, we do our screen sheet project where we put out screen sheets that GMs can use. It's just a, an absolute great... Uh, thanks, Robert Tables. I really appreciate that shit. Um, you know, it's just a great place to get some free assets and stuff. And, uh, and man, Robert, you, you hooked everybody up with subs. <laughs> that, is, that is badass. I can't thank you enough, man. That's so cool. Um, thanks, Robert. Yeah, and hooking up everybody. Uh, everybody needs to thank Robert for that, uh, hooking everybody up with that subscription thing. And I, and I love how he put their... Uh, Make sure you smash that subscribe, drop, kick, the follow, and no scope headshot that bell. End scene. 
I need to have Robert do my outros. I think that I think that, that <laughs> summed it up perfect. That was great. And and again, thanks so much for hooking up everybody with that sub. I really appreciate that. You know, we push cyberpunk uh, because we love it. You know, I got into it because I have I have a obvious obvious passion for cyberpunk. Uh, whether it's the gameplay, the artwork, you know, all these series and just talking about it, like I absolutely love cyberpunk, and I do it because I have that passion. But I am completely driven to do more and more because of the support I get. Like when you when you do shit like that, you 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 know sub and you pay for other people to sub. People join my Patreon. You do shit like that. It's it's unbelievable to me. I just I I can't uh, get enough of that shit. It makes me smile and it motivates the shit out of me. It's the fuel on my fire which keeps me putting out videos and series and interviews and just more and more cyberpunk shit. You know what I mean? Um, so if you like the things that we're putting out. Keep doing that. Keep supporting and pushing us forward. Um, I have a lot of great things coming up, some more gameplay. I have a monthly ongoing with Cyberpunk Uncensored. I just started up a new weekly I'm doing for Sirenscape uh, every Thursday. Uh, you can go over to Sirenscape on Twitch and check out that gameplay. We just had a session zero last Thursday. This Thursday that is the continuation. Um, but there's just so much shit going on. So, again, I, uh, thanks so much for the support. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah. We'll see you, everybody next time. Thanks so much. Take care. Sweet. Bye, y'all.